Hello and welcome to What We've Learned, episode 13. Once again, I'm joined by Shane and Shane, a slightly different air today. It's the end of term. It's our final episode of series one. It is, yes. Um, it feels very exciting, actually, because we're doing uh, what we've learned from what we've learnt, which is very interesting, a proper reflective retrospective this week. Yes, and we're not doing it on our own, are we? We are delighted to say that we've been keen to get this this chap on our podcast, the whole series. And in fact, you could argue it's why we've extended it to a slightly odd number of 13, so we could lock in Scott to not just allow us to chat to him, but equally for him to work with us on that review of what we've learned throughout this whole series. Absolutely. So a great pleasure to welcome Scott Stockwell, Editor-in-Chief of IBM Europe, known to nearly the entire B2B marketing community, I'm sure. Um, we've had the pleasure of working together in the past. Um, we've done agile workshops. I always learn something when I'm ever I'm on a phone or a call or in a meeting with Scott because he also gives his time to the DMA B2B Council. So welcome, Scott. Well, thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. So this week's going to be a bit different. So we're going to reflect, uh, understand what we've learned from doing this as a podcast series. And also, I think um, we're going to use some of your techniques to help us dive a bit deeper. Is that right, Scott? Indeed. Indeed. We're going to get we're going to get a bit. And here's the first buzzword. We're going to get a bit meta. Um, so I thought we'd try and do a little bit of what we've learned about what we've learned with um, a little bit of agile. Um, so we're going to start off with um, a retrospective technique. Um, if you Google this one and look for um, retrospective sailboat, you'll find lots of images. But I'd like everyone to kind of picture a boat on the water sailing towards a lovely tropical island. Um, underneath the water, there are some rocks. And behind the boat, there is an anchor. Also some clouds with a little bit of wind, um, but the sun is shining. So these are all little bits that are going to help us kind of explore what we've learned about what we've learned. So we'll start, and this is a question to, to the two of you. Um, the lovely Paradise Island is your goal and your vision. So um, 13 weeks in now, what, when you cast your minds back to week one, was your goal or your vision, your kind of Caribbean island you were heading for with the series? That's a great question. Shane, it'd be interesting. I think you might have a, a different answer to me. Now, I'll let you go first, if that's all right. Well, this is really hard because my head, everybody who knows me, I love the Caribbean and Scott has brilliantly described. I'm already on St. Lucia's Beach. So I've got to I've got to put that vision on one side and think about, as you say, the objective of the podcast. I think for me, it was we were just entering this really unknown period. And one of the things I've learned in my um, career is that actually that ability to support each other and help each other and get through difficult times is that people are there for you. And I suppose there was a bit of wanting to do that, um, be there for people, but also just hear what other people's experiences and were that how they were tackling this whole new world. What about you, Steve? Mm, yeah, I think it's a it's a good extension of that, Shane. I mean, it was the 20th of March, actually. I remember we sat, you and I, as often, well, I say often we do, we don't get the chance to do it. As, as frequently as we may like, but to just talk about the world, starting from, from a work and probably expanding out. And then, like most times that you and I spend time together, it's your bright idea rather than mine to say, hey, what if we were to record this in a podcast? We're about to sit 
in some form of lockdown. And I think probably we thought back then, well, it might be a few weeks that we may be able to do this for. We, we'll be in a few weeks of lockdown. Um, and to hear more for me, I think, to hear from other people. It's all, always fascinating to, to talk to Shane and Scott, yourself and everybody else that we've had as a guest. That's been the, the aim was to get a wide arc of people that have the common thread of the B2B industry as a starting point, at least, and, and get their take on this really rapidly changing uh, landscape. Again, not just through the prism of marketing, but the wider context of that as well, and, and trying to bring it together in something in a regular, structured way. Brilliant. I think, I think we've got a great idea of where you were headed. Um, so has there been anything that's kind of been a prevailing wind for you? Um, anything that's kind of really propelled you along the way? The guests, yeah, the guests we've had, I think, have propelled us because they've sent us off in, changed our course, if you like, using the same analogy of the sailing boat, um, because there's been topics that they have found interesting or challenges that they have raised, uh, which has given us the thought for the next week. Um, there's definitely the speed of change, I think, has been a almost um, tsunami-like wind um, propelling us so fast with the pace of change and what people's experiences were. So there's been a lot of momentum to it. No shortage of topics and no shortage of speakers. I agree. I think it's um, it's been brilliant from from the moment we first had uh, Ruth and Kamal on in episode three. I think we've not looked back and the the number of people that have been not just involved from a speaking point of view. I think I'd go one further, Shane. The bit that's really given me personally the momentum is the feedback I've had from people that have listened and including your good self, Scott. You are one of the first to constructively say it how it was how this is how you can improve and that gave us the feeling of this is worth doing it is of course an echo chamber podcast it's just Shane and I talking at a microphone so getting that that immediate feedback probably not only to keep that analogy going gave momentum but it gave us a good direction as well it kept us navigated towards something certainly rather than just ambling around and have you found that that uh, feedback has um given you a steer in a different direction or have you changed course at all as a result uh, I think in some ways it has when we first started certainly the the topics that we started with and then the guests that we we, we didn't try and steer them too much but you know early for a few weeks was all about uh, housekeeping what are we going to do in this what felt like quite a small period of time two three four weeks that we might be in this initial lockdown um, as we've gone on and I think as as the world has I'm going to use it already, has, has, has evolved and pivoted in different directions. There you go. I raise you your meta, Scott, and I give you a pivot. Um, raise me a pivot. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I've never said that in, out loud in front of people before. Um, but it's, just, it's, it's allowed us to just go into areas that I think personally, Shane may think differently. I just wouldn't have considered as topics that are worthy of discussion, simply because I would have had the limit of imagination to get there. I agree. I think what's happened is that we've gone almost we've sort of followed the zeitgeist of moving from being very tactical and it all being about, oh, my goodness, you know, what can we do today? What do we need to do today to actually now and certainly listening to Andrew's um, podcast uh, in episode 12, that real reflection for me that we're in 
an opportunity, a period opportunity, which is about deep strategic change. And given that that's what I consult on, I found that deeply rewarding. Um, and I think, and I would love to know, Scott's being a very good host here. He's hosting us and asking us the questions. But I am intrigued, Scott, to know, not just listening to our podcast, but other things that have been happening, what you've learned during this period and what it's made you think about differently. It's I've really enjoyed the journey and the, the variety of speakers has been really, um, really interesting. And um, occasionally someone will say something that you'll think that was blindingly obvious, but not to me until you just said it. And um, Kirsty had a brilliant one. Um, I think it might have been podcast number nine when we were talking about client experience. Um, and she was kind of mentioning what the working day sort of is becoming in that there kind of isn't one. So as a as a working mum, her day is kind of earlier than the sort of the in quotes traditional day. And that's when she does sort of the work staff and the exercise staff. And then the family get up and she deals with the family staff. And then there's some work staff and then there's some family staff and then there's some work staff. Um, and she's really looking for companies to be providing her support and a really good client experience in what would be outside of what we previously would have thought were traditional working hours. Um, and that just got me thinking, you know, well, what is what is the expectation of service and when do you expect to receive it? Because it might have been, you know, our call centre is manned, you know, nine to five and maybe Saturday morning. Um, but now that's just completely changed and it's kind of what is the experience that we're expecting and when do we actually expect to get it um and that for me was a real kind of that's blindingly obvious but now that i'm sort of walking in her shoes and dealing with her work day and family day really made me think differently um got me thinking about technology as well you know are we going to see a rise of bots or um online agents working in a different way are we going to have different expectations that different times of the day and it's that for me was a real thought provoker that's fascinating because you also said something to to me I think it was in um one of the follow-ups after one of the podcasts that your your day and I think this is what we're all learning our days are also different now more different than ever before is the full follow the sun you know, and that was when it's like oh my goodness those hours I know they're always long when you know you you're, you're in the role you're in, global role. Um, but actually it really came to life for me. I was on, I don't know whether you joined it, Scott, but I, I joined um, Nodstock earlier this week. Uh, and well, in fact, I think it was on Friday. 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 Mm. Friday. It was, I did. Yeah. And that was so the first I. event I'd been to, which was Follow the Sun. You know, it started in the UK and then it moved to the US and then it moved to Asia. And I thought, oh my goodness, is that the future of virtual events? You know, literally 48 hours, exhausting. It, I, I think that I suppose two things are changing. Certainly the sort of the team that I'm working with is is now very globally distributed. So um, I was talking this morning to a colleague in Tokyo and her kind of closing comment was, well, I'll see you um, tomorrow um, on the next call, which for me is actually at 11 o'clock my time this evening. So she and I are kind of having a morning evening interchange, which gets very confusing to kind of get your head around who is working when. Um, so kind of being available at different times of day for kind of web meetings. 
um, is kind of one follow the sun and your, your calendar goes completely crazy. Um, the other one I've found is that expectations of speed of response seem to have changed. So we've moved very heavily onto Slack as a kind of messaging platform. And because it's an immediate or almost immediate messaging exchange, there's almost a built-in expectation that you're always going to be there watching it. And as soon as someone sent you a message on it, you're going to reply to it. And you almost feel compelled as a kind of user to have, oh my goodness, I've had a message, I better get back, it's on Slack. And the danger it brings with it is we're never switching off. Because we've got all of this stuff on, you know, our various different devices, laptop, iPad, iPhone, it's with us all the time. When do we switch off? When do we recharge? You know, when do we schedule the time for things like a nudge stop to say, you know what, I'm just going to not work in that slot because I need to invest in myself and I'm going to go and do something different. And that's something I'm certainly more challenged by now than I was previously. I think that's a really interesting point, Scott. I think it harks back to something. So Debbie James from BP came on to episode seven, primarily to talk about training and learning. But she 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 referenced something in there that stuck with me that, that links to what you've just said around that. Just because in theory they're all locked up at home, they've got more time for training doesn't mean we can ram training at them. And that's that balance I think we're all having to find is we theoretically have got more time for things but it hasn't necessarily manifested itself that way we, we haven't yet evolved to a point and it feels a little bit like circa 2009 ish for me when I've got my first Blackberry and that blinking red light that went off and, and drew me in I could never not look at my email and other moments where perhaps email first came into our lives certainly for me 20 odd years ago we've not yet gone the other way that we, we need to find that balance Kirsty's start of her day she she documented very well which is very early um, but when does it end and as you say if you're working in a global environment as many of us are beginning to if we hadn't already we do run the risk of a very extreme burnout in this environment I think that's a, mm. that's a really important one from a from an employee management point of view um, it, but in fact I was, was with a friend Chris who, who works in a slightly different industry in, in construction and he is one of a team of people that hadn't been furloughed many of his staff, uh, colleagues and staff had but the management made the decision last week to recognize those that had continued to work from home and have given them an extra 10 days holiday to, to recognize that if you've stopped, it has been incredibly intense for people. And I think that's certainly something, Shane, that's that's come out for me just talking and particularly listening to some of the guests around how they're having to to spin an awful lot of extra plates that they may not have had to before. I agree. And I think that that balance, we're at that point where people are running out a bit of steam and energy and, you know, adrenaline gets you through a lot. And I think it's very interesting. You know, we're in this period again of, of change, again, of, of what's happening and things starting to open up. But for other people, it's not changing quite so much. And they're still in, you know, the offices from home and will be for a considerable time. And this whole challenge around taking holiday when you can't go on holiday um, but needing a break I think is 
is very, very important for all employers to consider. But I have to say, going back to Scott's analogy and thinking about the retro sailboat, I feel as though we're sort of anchored nicely in the bay at the moment and bobbing around having a chat. And we've lost sight of your wonderful retrospective sailboat. I'm keen to well, bring you go. back to the so sailboat. So let's, let's go back to the sailboat. So, well, we've got burnout and we've got kind of um, being on 24-7. We've got the, you know, what is a holiday when it's not kind of feeling like a holiday? Um, those are all sorts of things that kind of hold us back, which are the kind of the anchor side of things. So in terms of the podcast um, and your ambition, has there been anything that's kind of anchored you back? Um, and in parallel with that, any kind of unseen rocks along, along the journey? Hmm. So I, I think for me, uh, the, the, the learning has been, and having never done a podcast before, I've taken most of the strain not all of the strain on the tech side for this so it's been a very rapid learning process for me to understand how to put a podcast together so where to host it how to make it accessible on as many platforms what are the platforms all sorts of things i think that's the bit that as we look forward to series two which we'll, we'll come back with i'm sure we'll talk about and we certainly will be back with later in the year i have had an incredible learning curve on the technology and production side of things that i wouldn't have thought was something that i'd need to concern myself with three or four months ago cool so I, yeah i wouldn't have joined this particular boat unless i had a very able um chief engineer in steve um because actually you know i i could have done it but i probably my interest and appetite for unpicking some of the stuff that, that Steve has done a brilliant job on, just the editing tools, although we try and keep, as everybody knows, the edit to an absolute minimum. So it's quite rough, but just the recording, the broadcasting, all of that um, was would have held me back if I hadn't been able to do it with Steve. So, you know, I think that's a, a thing you learn in life is if you want to do something um, that you find and you try and build talents you know balanced teams to do the bits that you're not quite so keen on doing uh, and that always tends to work well so very happy with the uh, with the result and that didn't hold us back um brilliant this this the there's broader learning things. as well sorry scott it's the broader learning actually shane i wouldn't have thought about the fact that actually just having to to learn this we challenged ourselves to do this um at, at least two or three clients have come forward that have said oh if you know how to do that for, for you, could you, and I have written three or four kind of how-to guides uh, based on my own limited knowledge for, for clients to help. So it's broadened the number of people that have wanted to tackle and take this on. So it, not only have I learned a personal skill for, for Shane and I, it's been useful with a, with a work hat on for, for other people to share that knowledge, which of course is all part of it as well. It's, it's being able to pass, pass things on. Mm. I, I think there's this one of the things that really comes out for me in kind of, you know, this podcast and kind of other other things that are going on right now is that we've been a little bit more forgiving than we were previously. Um, I think everyone's been a little bit like, you know, I'm going to give it a go. I'm not expecting it to be perfect. Um, I'm really going to be very authentic um, and I'm just going to kind of dive in and I think people have been very collaborative and very supportive and said, you know, we, we're really glad you did that. We're not expecting perfection. We're all going to kind of get on board with it, give you some feedback because we're all sort of learning this as we go. So I think what we're finding in these times is there's there's certainly that. Um, something for me has been kind of the challenge of the tech stack and the kind of there's, you know, many different ways that you can do the same thing. 
and it's taking lots of different bits and pieces to get something done. So, you know, just in terms of virtual collaboration, you know, are you on Zoom? Are you on Skype? Are you on WebEx? Are you whiteboarding on something like Mural? Are you building things in InVision? Are you collaborating a box folder or SharePoint? Or there's so many individual kind of tech solutions for parts of what we're all doing that getting your head around sufficient volume of those to get something done, I think is a bit of a challenge. Are you finding that yourselves? I think so. Less so perhaps in the in the podcast world, although I completely agree about um, the collaboration and the spirit of experimentation and people being forgiving. I mean, for me, one of the reasons for doing this, and I had done some podcasts before, was that I had a bit of a theory that I wanted to test. And everybody had said, oh, you know, podcasts, old fashioned medium, you know, people listen to it when they're commuting. Well, you know, we could have chosen the worst possible meeting uh, medium going into lockdown ever because people were going to stop commuting. But I had a bit of a theory that was what was going to come was going to be burnout on the screen and people needing to take a break and needing to have thinking time and away from the PC. And obviously, you know, audible media is a great way to do that, as in fact, print has held up and some print companies, uh, magazines, etc. sales have soared. Folio Society, I was talking to Joanna Reynolds, you know, having a really bit of a purple patch because people want alternatives. And it's been hilarious finding out how people have been listening to our podcast too. Mm, absolutely. I, I think I've, um, I, I would be remiss not to reference my father-in-law who does work in out of home, Alan, who's listened to every single one. He goes walking with us, Shane. Oh, uh, so I've, nice. it's been really fascinating to learn how people are listening. And I agree. I think it links back actually to, to, to point broadly Kirsty made is that our working days, our working weeks, or just our days, I suppose, have changed so rapidly that I was concerned. Uh, and it does link back to the technology, I think, Scott, because of sender time optimization but for us with podcasts perhaps it was listener time optimization if the commute's gone and that's when I listened to podcasts the most which I was sitting on a train will that have dried up but I think people have just found different times of the day different rhythm that meant not just our podcast there is a world beyond it I think uh, is that people are consuming um, at a different rate in, a, in different mediums depending on this, this new world mm. It's definitely, definitely a changing, changing pace, changing time, changing methods. Um, I, I also love the fact that you just kind of dived in. Um, I did a course at the end of last year um, to become a, a certified facilitator in a thing called Lego Serious Play, um, which is kind of a unique sort of way of looking at things by building them with um, the familiar Lego building blocks. But one of the things that it's very, very kind of um, rooted in is um, do, 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 plan. Um, because we're very good at planning, 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 and not actually getting to doing, um, because we do have a little bit of an expectation that it needs to be spot on before it gets out of the door. Um, and I'm finding that current times, I think there's definitely a real appetite to just get out there with something um, and really use it in a truly iterative way. Um, agile marketing, coming back to our retro, um, is very much around kind of iterative improvement um, and kind of thinking almost of everything as a prototype because it will improve each time you do it. And if you're waiting for the perfection of a, a waterfall approach, 
by the time you kind of delivered something, it was probably redundant or at least partially going to fail anyway. Um, so I think I think we're really seeing that people are just going to get more iterative um, and are definitely going to test the water more, which I think your podcast has been, you know, a really brilliant example of. And we want to follow that, definitely, that do-do plan. I mean, it sounds like a bebop group, doesn't it? <laughs> but I think actually the whole reason for calling a sort of a, a pause or a summer vacation, as um, Steve alluded to at the beginning, is for exactly that reason, Scott. And you mentioned something about, um, you know, this way of thinking and being able to improve and what we do next. And I think it's very important, just picking up the point you made about, making the tech work and fitting bits together the bit i've been if you like least happy with is those takeaways and the learnings and steve mentioned you know how to publish uh, a podcast guide well he's done it but we haven't joined the dots we haven't joined that up with linking to this podcast and having it there as an asset and i know that's something you picked up quite early on is that that ability to link things Indeed. So what we'll do, I think this is a very good point to segue over to another another technique. Um, so this is something from design thinking. So imagine yourselves, you're on the lovely Caribbean island now, the sailboat is parked and sort of bobbing, bobbing in the bay. Um, something that we do in design thinking is kind of a constructive critique. Um, and it, it asks you four questions, which are I like, I wish, I wonder, and what if? Um, and generally, if you answer those four questions of a piece of work, um, you'll find you're gathering people's perspectives in a kind of um, constructive way and a constructed way. So you're not getting, you know, I love the orange button. I hate the way that this works. That thing for me was impossible. It's very kind of constructive. So I think we'll actually start with the um, I wish, which is the what could be improved. And Shane, I think you've mentioned one of those already. Um, for me, as a consumer, um, I wish that there'd been a transcript because there were a couple of the podcasts where I was like, I remember somebody saying something, but I'm not quite sure when in that 45 minute slot I need to go and kind of find it and just listen to that bit again. So for me, that would have been an, an I wish. Um, any other I wishes from yourselves? So shame we've had one from you. Steve, perhaps we'll go for you for an I wish. Yeah, I think I wish I had more time to um, to promote. Um, sounds incredibly vacuous as a marketeer, but I mean, we've got, it's been really interesting, by the way, to learn back to the technology. So Spotify, uh, we, we're hosted on SoundCloud. It, it broadcasts out via RSS to the likes of Spotify. And just to get some of the audience data back, maybe we can come back to it. If there's a burning question for you, Scott, and anyone else as to what are the average listeners of our podcast listening to music wise when they're not with us. Uh, some real insights there, perhaps. Uh, but we've so therefore we get feedback on how many people, how many followers, etc. But I think I would like I wish I had more time to think about how to promote the podcast to get more people involved because i think it's been a really lovely community thing some great speakers but i'd like to do more even more justice to those people that have given up their time including shane including myself i guess but particularly the speakers to get them to a wider audience because i think some of the insights that we've gathered over the 13 weeks has been brilliant and and a lot more people would value that regardless of whether they're very very b2b marketing centric or perhaps they're from completely different industries, some really transferable um, knowledge that, uh, that is that's stored away inside these pods. Mm. 
I, th I think for me, another one of the uh, the I wish, um, and this became for me a real frustration. And again, it's just user experience of the platform. Um, I bookmarked a couple of the podcasts because I thought, well, I'll come back to that later. Um, and I love the discussion on LinkedIn. So that tends to be my first port of call for content rather than um, Spotify. Um, do you think I could find the thing that I said I would save and come back to? I looked in profiles, I looked in my stream, I looked all over the place. It took me forever to find where my bookmarks were saved. Um, and I wondered um, if you'd put a hashtag in for what we've learned, if that would have made my job easier, because you used hashtags a lot in the content, but not one for the series overall. Um, so just wondering if you'd consider doing it and if there's anything else in terms of use of the platform you've learned. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually, because we did sporadically use hashtag what we've learned, um, or I certainly did, uh, but not enough. And I think it comes back to my wish. I wish I had more time to to refine. And perhaps that's as we've talked about, you know, series one, first time off the block, series two and beyond without Shane, without you fainting the idea that we might be doing more than two series, who knows, uh, to make that more consistent, Scott, because we have really heavily leaned on LinkedIn to get the discussion going, and that's been fab, but it doesn't lend itself. It's not a real true home to, as you say, go back and forth from. Guess what? Marketers launched a marketing podcast with no marketing plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's because we were do-doing, Shane. Yeah, we were do-do-do plan. Yeah. So we are now at the planning. But absolutely, to see point, picking up on that is, you know, the the any marketing we've done has been very ad hoc. And I was looking back over the social media, actually, and some weeks we've done quite a good job of promoting it on Twitter and some weeks we haven't. And that just reflects how busy Steve and I have mm. been because we did we said we would do this to use your, you know, your terminology, um, Scott, in terms of a minimum viable that we didn't put ourselves under too much pressure to be do perfect but there is definitely stuff that i i looking you know the wish more engagement and more marketing yeah mm. in, in terms of the engagement shane now i know that you love a bit of data so um what kind of data have you had from the podcasts themselves well as i referenced um it's been varied it's been fascinating to learn so technically uh, it, it's the pods are uploaded onto soundcloud um, SoundCloud gives you some basic, and, and we have a, a paid version of SoundCloud now. It's the first thing I learned is you can only upload about three hours into SoundCloud as the free version and you start paying. Um, but it is, and this will ring true for any marketer who's ever tried to get two systems to tell the same truth when it comes to reporting. Um, SoundCloud and Spotify, that the main platforms that people listen on, uh, they have their own independent data. So, for example, um, Spotify tells me and we've got hundreds of listens. Um, we've got hundreds of listeners. We've got dozens, nearly 100 followers, which is great. They're coming, they're subscribing, if you will. Uh, and we haven't, I'd slightly go back, I suppose, Shane, on the point around us pushing it. We could have promoted it more, but it did feel a little bit dirty, which is a funny thing for a marketer to say, that it was really not so much about brand Steve and Shane. So I, I think it's striking a balance of not hammering it too hard that we turn into YouTube presenters that insist on us subscribe, <laughs> people subscribing every five seconds. Um, but the, the the gender mix, the age categories. So to just give you both a flavour, and Shane and I have spoken about this um, quite a lot over the weeks, one to one. Uh, so we have a 63-31 male-female split. That doesn't quite do the maths, but that's because there's a few non-specified in the data. 
broadly speaking, most people are in the 45 to 59 category. Uh, and as I alluded to, um, Ed Sheeran, Dua Lipa, Harry Styles, The Weeknd and Maroon 5 are the main artists on Spotify. Uh, and Scott, you can you can hold a poker face or voice on this one uh, <laughs> that people listen to when they're not listening to us. So, so with Spotify, I guess the byproduct I hadn't even thought of is because you do need to go through that that data and that login. There's a lot richer to play at. Um, and then countries as well. So unsurprisingly, the UK is the main country of listeners across all of the episodes. But we have Denmark, Australia, the US, India, Ireland, Philippines, Germany, South Africa and Brazil as our top 10 in terms of listens. And I think we've been listened to, according to the data, in about 27 countries. So it's been really interesting for me, Shane, to just have that wider spectrum rather than it being the people that we think we know. We've got yes. that. Yeah, I think that's interesting from a global point of view. I wonder, because both you and I do quite a lot internationally anyway, what has come from our network versus being new. But uh, Scott's point about being all about the data. So I looked more at the impact on LinkedIn and on particularly on my profile uh, at a time where, you know, let's be blunt, LinkedIn has been hammered because everybody's suddenly, you know, at home going, oh, perhaps I ought to spend a bit more time on this, you know, whether it's deliberate or it's accidental or it's just that has certainly happened. You can see just the content, the sharing, everything on LinkedIn, but there's a lot of blah on there. And I was very conscious that, as you say, Scott, the added value is in the comment session and the data has done two things. One, is definitely getting more invites, interesting invites to connect. Definitely increased my profile and the weeks and the days that we publish quite dramatically um, in being found. So good from that sort of inbound point of view. Um, so yes, yeah, some quite interesting impact on the social selling side. Fantastic. Um, now, I am intrigued from the Spotify data on the kind of what is surrounding the podcasts that you're listening to, because I run um, I run my team call with a Spotify playlist. So um, I don't have an agenda. I ask the speakers on team calls and um, content that I kind of load up myself. Um, it is all introed with a lyric or the title of a song. Um, and I get the team to kind of guess what the content's going to be. I really, the bugbear for me is agendas. Like, don't read an agenda out before the meeting, just kind of get on with it. Um, so I have probably the most eclectic Spotify playlist ever um, because of that. So it's a real, real ragtag thing. So I, I'm really intrigued that Spotify kind of give you that give you that context back. I'm like, I'm glad that you're taking Ed Sheeran on in terms of your listener <laughs> engagement for the podcast. Well, I, I think we align with it. Good Ed, ambition. Scott, that's the, uh, the bit is when people are relaxing, having enjoyed what we've had to say, Ed is where they go. Ed's where they go. In the Brilliant. last 28 days, I'll say. So your podcast listeners have streamed these following artists the most in the last 28 days is, is Spotify's exact labelling of that. I feel we now need to have a musical intro to all our speakers, that there should be some sort of... Oh, I love of, it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's, yeah. like, that's the, I, I wonder, your other box, I wonder what would happen if we put music in. There you go. So that's a nice, nice link onto the I wonder. So um, has running the podcast kind of thrown any questions up for you? You know, I wonder. Go on, Shane. Um, yes, lots. I mean, it's the particularly to me, 
with my sort of strategic marketing hat in the way that you can reframe some of the learnings that have come out um, and use, you know, techniques like this um, to really try and find a different way of doing things. I think that's that's really what it's made me reflect on and how quickly you can do new things and try new things. So actually that that willingness to experiment, I think, trying to encourage others to do it. Yeah, I agree. I think, it, again, back to your point, Scott, when you were referencing Kirsty, it's just that uh, wisdom of crowds. I've learned so much nuggets from people just chatting to them that are bleedingly obvious when you think about it, but you may not see. And then that leads me to, oh, I wonder how I could how could that be applied closer to home? So within my organization or as I'm agency side, the organizations that I work with, it's been really, really rewarding from that point of view. And Scott, you mentioned something earlier about, you know, the Lego serious play. And I'm really intrigued by, by this because I have seen it used um, in sort of design at a, a university, for example. But I just wonder whether you think it's possible to, can we incorporate, you know, something like Lego serious play and do it virtually? It would mean sending Lego packs to people at home. But I, I would just love there to be more interactivity in our virtual world. Is that going to be the answer for us? In it, yes and no. So the the, the trainers um, are very purist and I can totally understand where they're coming from in a it is a physical exercise. It is a group exercise. Um, the, the times that we're in um, really don't enable us to do that right now. Hopefully they will in the future. Um, but interestingly, one of the people on the course that I was on thought they would dabble with seeing how virtual this could be. So he did exactly that. Um, there's a, a standard set of kits. There's one which is kind of like making a small duck, which has seven bricks in it. Um, then there's another kit with a few more bits in, which is like a, a basic explorer kit. So all of us that had been on that particular course had our kits to hand. And he ran a virtual session where we built at home and then on the background of a piece of white A4 paper, took a photograph, um, uploaded that into concept board was the kind of the whiteboarding tool that he used. Um, and it was a really interesting way of exploring some topics by building, but then seeing what other people had built, which is sort of really the kind of the, the centre of the, the idea is that there's a lot that you do when you build something which is subconscious. And in kind of presenting something and talking about it, you actually kind of pull out those ideas that have been in there, but not expressed. Um, the other thing it's brilliant at is it... It's a very even playing field and it stops people editing. Um, Shane, you know, we were on a we were on a call with a B2B council a couple of weeks ago. and We did a little bit of um, design thinking with drawing. So a little bit of post-it notes, bit of drawing. And the first things that people say are, oh, I'm no good at drawing yeah. or no one's yeah. going to know what this is. Oh, I really don't want to. Can I just write it down? Um, so that's always going to be a hurdle you have to get over with a, with a pen and paper. But when you're building... Um, everyone's just like, well, we, we're not expecting to kind of really build, you know, the Eiffel Tower out of a few bits of Lego. There's a low bar of what we're expecting other people are going to get from this. So people will just dive in. Um, and in just diving in, you get very quick results and you get to kind of ask people questions like, well, that's really interesting. You know, you've teamed this thing up with this thing or this is pointing a particular way. You know, what's what's in that? Um, and it's a really nice technique for getting people talking, which I think at the end of the day is is where you get good results, is where you really get people talking. 
So is there a resource back to linking and learning and, and following up that, that people could have a, a look at this a little bit more? Because it occurs to me that this blended virtual real world is going to be all of our futures. You know, it's not one or the other, but how you said you went through that learning curve of it's not ideal and the purists would rather do it in a room. But we're all going to have to cope with this it's going to be a bit of this it's going to be a bit of that and I can see this technique being massively helpful mm. of helping work through back to your point Scott as a user and a, as a consumer of this podcast you know if we did that exercise how would it be different you know mm. should we be broadcasting it on LinkedIn as a as a YouTube rather than you know or what is it? What's the difference? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll send you a link over, and we can put it into the into the comments on the on the various different platforms. I, I think this kind of blended approach um, is something that we're really going to see come to the fore much quicker than it was planned. I think I heard recently that um, Microsoft are kind of almost unbuckling the various different, you know, Word, PowerPoint, Excel into modules, so that when you kind of create a piece of content you're just taking the little bit of information or capability from those various different places and sort of fixing them together. Um, I've got some websites that I look after and I'm using an application called Elementor, which um, is, is a, again, the same thing. We've seen um, WordPress do it. Their new editor, Gutenberg, does these sort of little modules and you build a page with the different modules that have different functionality. Um, I think we're going to start working a lot more that way. Um, we're going to be taking the sort of the techniques and things that we're going to need to use to kind of collaborate and generate things together. And then almost a little bit like Harry Potter and the room of requirements, we're just going to kind of like get the tools that we need together um, to really get something done using exactly what we need to get it done. But the thing that's going to be the, the charm is it can't be too complicated to learn because at the moment we're needing to learn lots of different tools and lots of different apps to get something done. And we're not quite there yet. Um, Shane, I know you and I were on the, the B2B Ignite event in Chicago a few a few weeks back. Um, and I think all of us in any of the sort of the larger conferences that are online don't feel it gives us quite the same experience as an in-person event because there's things that are clunky. You know, the chat box goes streaming madly. The kind of breakout rooms aren't always there. And if they're there, they're not necessarily moderated great. There's a kind of a networking thing, but does, is that really the environment to network? Uh, and I think we're going to start to see these sorts of components coming together in an easily accessible way to give us more of the experience we're used to physically but virtually. I, I think it's great insight and I completely agree those sort of building blocks they've got to be simple and I know something you've been doing some work on that Steve in terms of your training and trying to you know not just stay within the platform and use but use some other things to try and uh, create a better experience to get over the problems that Scott's alluded to. And in fact, Scott, you did a fantastic blog on the water cooler and some of the tools and tips that, that can help run virtual meetings better. So do you agree, Steve? Mm, yeah, I do. It's fascinating listening in. Uh, it's that transition. Um, so even just the podcast, for example, I need to use four separate pieces of software to, to get the podcast from recording in Skype, as we are right now, through to an mp3 file and merging all of the different pieces together um goodness i had one button that would do it that would help us but i'm sure scott that's the 
that's the challenge for a lot of technologies in a lot of markets if if it was just one button and simple great yeah, um, yeah. but i think it will evolve you're right i mean shane back to the, the training and the learning I, I i i've been experimenting that with the tutoring hat on but the bit i think i've been more uh, focused on and just from listening to what scott said around that collaboration is clients that we work with where we would typically be concerning ourselves with with content production for the marketing side of things we're much uh, certainly over the last three months much more heavily involved in the sales side and and that collaboration technology technology is going to be so important scott for organizations for the selling side of it Absolutely. working with prospects be, you can't be in a room with a, as a salesperson right now so how do you use that technology um with real anger because you've got to keep the wheels turning that that leads if there are leads out there have got to be turned into booked business so i think there's going to be even more focus on on a wider area of that technology not just for internal project teams but that external bent as well yeah i think that i think that brings us on to kind of like the last last bit of the sort of the design thinking quad is the sort of the what next um kind of future topics and i guess your ambitions for series two um one thing i would kind of put on the the wish list and, and you just sort of kicked it off really is something shane and i were talking to um the other day which is what i've called the brangelina um, which is sort of the kind of the merging of sales and marketing as a, you know, a really paired activity. Um, it's not so much the kind of the relay race that it was historically, but it's really the three legged race. And now that we're very, very virtual, you know, we're a lot closer to our sales colleagues from the marketing side than I think we were previously. So for me, I think exploring that in series two would be a direction I'd love to see you um, head off in. Uh, any other topics that you're are already kind of bubbling to the top of your really itching to get this one talked about? I love Brangelina, by the way. Uh, although I, I, Beyonce and Jay-Z, Shane, is perhaps where I, I align ourselves. We, we will have to match back to the music, I suppose, whether we've got to, what, what, what our fans are listening to on Spotify. Um, but just for me, Shane, I think the sales and marketing piece is always a fascinating one. And, and again, back to Kirsty in episode nine, where I was expecting to have a chat around more the marketing side of things, but she did, she was very open about what it's meant from a sales point of view as well. So I think there's a real appetite for that blending together, whether we call it smarketing, although hopefully not, I much prefer Brangelina, Scott, as a, as a term that I certainly would like <laughs> to, to talk more about. Yeah, I think that's got lots of interest, appetite, and we could get some very interesting people um, to come and join us. Perhaps you've been sales directors, become marketing directors. Can we find any the other way around? Oh, there's a shout out. If you're a CMO, um, have you moved into head up sales? That'd be interesting. Well, not just that, perhaps as well, mate, to broaden further. It just it links back to something, Scott, you talked about the technology. Um, I think marketing technology, which we're very good at buying and not always very good at using, the positive stories over the last three months of where that technology has been used in in a much wider part of the business than perhaps it would have. So from a service and communication point of view there. So I think it'd be really fascinating to see where where CMOs go next, perhaps. Um, what's, the, what's the journey and what's transferable? I'd also like to pick up on the point that you mentioned, Steve mentioned, you know, always learn from your audience. Um, and the fact that we do have a small but growing but international audience is, I think, I've always learned loads by talking to people in other countries, other cultures, other companies. And I would be fascinated to hear and learn from some of the different responses um, 
to the crisis from marketing, from sales, from our colleagues around the world, because I think there'll be similarities, there'll be huge similarities, but there might also be some very interesting differences and also opportunities um, and where they see their companies competing in this sort of new new world. Yeah, I think stark difference is always interesting, but I do agree, Shane, that that just reassurance perhaps sometimes that if you, are, whether it's on the other side of the world or, or a different industry that you don't normally interact with, it's often good for us to just hear that other people have been struggling or have succeeded. You're not missing the obvious. So I think even if somebody comes from another part of the world and tells us an entirely different story, uh, if they tell us that actually they're, they're wrestling with the same issues across that I think can be really positive and helpful for people so they feel that they're just not on their own trying to solve problems. Anything else from your perspective Scott that you'd love to hear or even somebody you'd like to hear that we should invite? Um, I would love to get the kind of um, student and first role perspective. Um, having been involved in the, the, the student um, competition with the DMAs it's really interesting to kind of see another angle, um, another set of perspectives, hear what's important, what's top of mind. So I think kind of that that would be my what I would love to see in kind of, you know, early episodes of series two. Oh, that's a great shout out. I really like that because I think particularly for those who've even entered the world of work during lockdown, their experience of being onboarded into a company in a new role, first job, completely different. Um, and what that experience has been like and what they were expecting, what they went, oh, that's a great idea. Love mm, that one. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. I hadn't even thought of the fact that, goodness me, people are starting roles and, and their expectation perhaps six months ago to, to reality of what it's like in that first job in this industry could be so, so different. We've covered an awful lot. It's been really interesting and I hope that people will have been sort of walked through the both the retro sailboat and also the critique way as a way of um, thinking but I think hopefully Scott we can post a few perhaps some images for, in case our verbal descriptions were not enough for people to latch on to do you think we can do that in the LinkedIn we'll definitely do that for sure Fabulous. And maybe that's a point to, to wrap it up, Shane. Scott, let's start by just an enormous thanks for giving your time and energy to us. Not just today, as we said, but we do appreciate that you and, and many others have given us some really helpful feedback. You've navigated us, if you will, across these waters over the last 13 weeks. Uh, Shane? Uh, yeah, just uh, navigated us brilliantly, Scott, but just don't tell anybody who sails that you parked their boat, you moor it. So oh, clearly dear, dear. you're not a so sailor. Well. Yeah, so we may, <laughs> we may have lost half the audience at that point, but it's been such fun. It always is great fun. And I learned loads. Excellent. I think it's always, always good to be learning something. Now, I've learned how to kind of moor a boat um, effectively. So brilliant um, and fantastic. Keep up, keep up the series. I've really thoroughly enjoyed it as I know from the comments in LinkedIn and elsewhere, um, everybody else has. And um, thank you for having me as a guest. Thank you so much, Scott. On the subject of more, there will be more segue into series two. Um, perhaps it was just the rum, Scott, that you and I broke out that Shane didn't know while we've been doing this that uh, <laughs> confused you slightly in terms of quite how to navigate and how to, to sail the seas. So, Shane, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. We will be back for series two, everybody, later in the year. As we've talked about, if you've got any suggestions, anybody you'd like to hear from, any topics, or indeed you'd like to chip in, as you can see, we're a very inclusive family. We'd love to hear from you. So do get in touch via the normal means. Find us on LinkedIn 
uh, on Twitter or indeed at wwlpodcast.co.uk. Shane, it would be only fitting for me to leave any last thoughts and comments for you before we sign off from this series. Just to say thank you very much and looking forward to the next series. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye.